I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Reproducer. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Reproducer, the podcast that takes a deep dive into the murky world of the radio producer. I'm Mark Jeeves. And I'm Jenny Nelson. And in this episode, we're delighted to welcome a producer whose career has spanned BBC Local Radio, Radio One, KISS, and now TBI Media. It's Grace Hopper. And I think it's so good to move around like that in your career and really gain different experience. Communication is just absolutely key when you're managing talent. Having gone from not really knowing what's next because youth radio was always for me, I felt oh, this feels right for me now and it feels like the right position but also the right place. We spoke to Grace on a slightly dodgy Zoom line which ironically for a podcast about production gave us some audio interference just at the start. Uh, Shout out to laptop updates that hinder instead of help. However, Grace's chat was so interesting and inspiring that we decided that it had to be heard. So hang on in there for the first five, ten minutes and then it becomes slightly more normal. Uh, But we spoke about loads of things like getting as much experience as possible at local radio, how Grace worked her way up to being a producer at Radio One, working with the likes of Greg James and Scott Mills. Uh, A typical day for her as producer of the Kiss Breakfast Show with Jordan and Perry, which is a role that she held until very recently. She's now left to go to independent production company TBI Media as exec producer, which we'll chat about as well. She also talks about working in youth radio, her dream jobs and her advice for aspiring producers. But we started by asking Grace what attracted her to radio in the first place. Well, I've always just been a really 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 big fan of music and kind of all different genres of music so I would always listen to such varied radio stations from absolute radio to radio one to my local station I was always sort of really taken by lots of different genres but I also just loved that voice and that like personal connection that you would have with a presenter Um, I would always go to bed really late at night and not be able to sleep because I was a bit of a night owl and basically put the radio on and have like that companion 
when all the rest of my family were asleep. <laughs> uh, so I just, I loved sort of the music side of it, but also the entertainment side of it. And that sort of like one-to-one connection you would feel you were having with a presenter, really. Yeah, I was hooked from a very early age, really. I think when you ask people, or oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? People don't really know until they're quite a bit older. Whereas people always say whenever they asked me, even as a child, it was always radio. I was always really fascinated by it. I'd always like play that I was like a radio host or a DJ or something as a kid. So it was just always something that I was so passionate about from a really young age. That's what I used to do as well. I'm so glad someone else did it. I'm not <laughs> sat in your bedroom pretend. Yeah, I've never admitted that. Oh, that's before. good. As long as it's only us, so it's fine. As long as no one else is listening, it's all right. Uh, so, how did your how did your break come into radio then? So, like I was just saying, I think I was always quite lucky that I always knew that's what I wanted to do. So, the moment I was old enough to do hospital radio, I joined my local hospital radio. I uh, went round the ward collecting requests. Just the, the, as much as I could do from such an early age I did it whatever whatever it was I could do I did and then I went to university joined the student radio station there and, and basically had always heard from people that I'd asked about how you get into the industry just how important experience was so I thought right I know what I want to do I just need to go off and get that experience so did hospital radio did student radio and then when I left uni, I went and joined my local BBC station, like in my university town, because I thought, right, where are the opportunities really going to be? I was from kind of just outside London, so I knew London would be really crowded. And, you know, I, I had experience, but no like paid work really yet. So I thought, where's going to be the best opening for this and where are the opportunities? So I stayed and I joined BBC Radio Devon on a freelance basis. Um, and I loved it there because it, the team were just so welcoming. And the great thing about local radio is you do a bit of everything. So I learned producing, being a reporter. I learned how to produce a BBC introducing show. I literally worked on sport to early morning phone-ins to early breakfast, just just absolutely everything. So I felt like I really learned so much from them. And it was that time when you're freelance and you're just trying to build your portfolio as much as possible that I was working at BBC Devon, BBC Somerset and BBC Cornwall and literally driving between the three, just like trying to like drum up as much experience and just learn as much um, as possible. And there was there was sometimes when I was working in a bar as well to pay my rent and I would finish at one o'clock in the morning and then I'd be up to do breakfast at 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> and I always look back and I just think that's what you had to do. That's kind of what I knew I'd have to do to get the experience and just to accept and say yes to every every shift that came in and read every travel report for, for every local road. Um, and then, yeah, so it sort of all started in local radio and then I moved back to where I was from because there were some opportunities at BBC Berkshire and BBC London at that time. Uh, so I was able to move back home, which was kind of always the plan. But I thought I need to start and just get some experience before I can. And then just worked my socks off there. Uh, just, yeah, worked seven days a week, just sort of drumming up the, the experience and contacts. And I just loved it. And then it was from there being in the BBC that I was able to join in a sort of freelance pool of people um, at BBC Radio 1, 1 Extra and Asia Network. And that's when that journey all started. But it wouldn't have been for all the amazing experience and people and skills that I learned in BBC local radio 
without that, I would never have got that in um, on the eighth floor, as they call it, which is where all those stations are based in that building. Fantastic. And it, it, that's extraordinary to hear and so inspirational because, uh, as you say, you, you'd obviously just grabbed every opportunity and worked the stupid hours and did all those things, which is brilliant. And you're right as well, local radio, it, you do everything. So you have to do absolutely everything. And it gives you an, such a great you know, an extraordinary grounding in all that stuff. So let, let's talk about your production career so far then. So uh, let's, let's, from the point at which you actually got your first production gig, what's been your journey from there? So I got my first gig as a team assistant at Radio 1 and I worked predominantly on those daytime shows at Radio 1. So I was with um, Grimmy and Clara and also um, Scott Mills and Greg in the afternoon and Annie Mack. And as a team assistant, you get to work across all the teams supporting the assistant producers and the producers. But my aim was always to become a producer. So I became an assistant producer after about a year of being a team assistant. Uh, and I absolutely loved being an assistant producer. I got the opportunity to work on Greg James's Drive Time show for a couple of years. Uh, I think that's the show I spent the most time on on Radio 1, and it was brilliant because it was someone that I'd loved listening to as a fan of Radio 1, and I'd loved listening to as a radio fan and someone that worked in radio as well. So just having the opportunity to go from that to actually deciding what we talk about on the show each day was just a delight and yeah did that for about two years so um was assistant producer with Greg um just before he moved to breakfast and then when he moved to breakfast I then moved to be AP on Scott and Chris uh which was also brilliant because again like legends in the game also people I'd listened to for years and years so the opportunity to work on their show and to call these people my colleagues, my friends, was just amazing. Uh, and then I got my first producer gig at Radio 1, which was really exciting. So I moved to produce Life Hacks with Kel and Katie back in the day, which was a real challenge because it was one of the editorially most difficult shows on the station. Previously, The Surgery, which I'd listened to a lot growing up on a Wednesday evening. And now that was in a Sunday afternoon slot. So it was very editorially different and tricky to navigate those sort of topics on a Sunday afternoon to a youth audience. And that was kind of when I took on my first producer gig and I was solely responsible for that output. So it was a it was a big step. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed it. And I produced the uh, Life Hacks podcast as well, which gave us an avenue to talk in a little bit more detail. And then I moved across to produce Jordan North on the weekend shows as well and Maya Jama when she was at Radio 1. Again, just working with like really new, really exciting talent as well. And then um, I moved back onto the Scott Mills show and produced Scott, which was amazing. And actually produced Scott uh, when I left Radio 1. Uh, so it was really going out on a high. And I think that being able to work with all of that talent on all of those shows was such a sort of bucket list uh, tick box thing for me that I was really happy to leave when I did because I'd, I it was my dream come true I'd completed all the shows I wanted to work on I'd been a producer at Radio 1 and that's that was the dream gig for me so I think I left on such a high I saw an opportunity come up at KISS and my old boss at Radio 1 Rebecca Frank had moved to be content director at KISS which was a move I saw and kept my eye on and you know, was really impressed with like her vision for the station and what she was doing. And 
back in the day, I'd done the tiniest bit of work experience at Heart Southwest and really enjoyed it, but hadn't really done any more in commercial since then. Uh, so I thought, you know what, I've I've really ticked all the boxes in the BBC. I've done everything I can do at Radio 1. I've, I've learned everything I can at this current point in my career, at this current station. So I decided to take the leap of faith in the middle of the pandemic and move into commercial radio um, and work for another youth brand that I really loved growing up. I used to listen to Ricky Melman and Charlie on Kiss Breakfast all the time. And then just as they moved to Radio 1, I moved to Kiss. So we always joked that we were basically just swapping <laughs> swapping stations um so i joined kiss and i started as a producer on the kiss hype chart with tania and i did alex on the weekend as well and just really learned what kiss and commercial was all about and then made the move after just under a year to kiss breakfast and i've been producing co-producing kiss breakfast with jordan and perry for about a year and a half now uh, which is an absolute joy and i think it's so good to move around like that in your career and really gain different experience because I think what's so great about Jordan and Perry is that they're not radio first so they've just got this really amazing new fresh perspective to what's entertaining because they are essentially content creators and they know you know Perry's one of the most followed people on TikTok they know exactly what's entertaining they know what to bring every single morning to entertain listeners and just having that different perspective in a current climate when it's not just about radio it's not just about it's not just about what you say in the morning when you put the mic up it's about what you're doing on social it's about bigger picture things it's about being a competitor with actually for for example a youth station apps snapchat instagram they're your competitors it's not like when i first started at radio one for example about 10 years ago when it was actually just other radio stations that were the main competitors it's a completely different market now and jordan and perry really understand that and every single morning i learn from them just as much as they learn from us as the as the radio first people so what from from the different networks and the different shows you've worked on, could you provide a description of what does a producer do? I always think a radio producer basically basically gives the presenter all the tools they need to be able to present their show. So I sometimes relate it to a car. So <laughs> when you're driving a car, no one else can drive the car for you. When you're a presenter, no one else can present for you. But the car can provide you with a steering wheel and the gear stick and the pedals that you need. And that's what I view the role as a producer to be. So you're there making sure that your presenter's got the equivalent of their gear stick and their pedals and everything. So that when the mics go up, they open their mouth, they know exactly what to say and how to deliver that link because essentially they're sort of on their own for that bit. And also, um, for example, if they were interviewing someone on the radio or they had a caller, you'd make sure they knew exactly what fader they were on. So you're basically making sure that they know exactly what to do in that link so that that presenter feels the most at ease and the most comfortable to be able to do their job and basically deliver exactly what they have to in that link. I like it. That's a good good description of the car. Thank you. So what does a typical day involve at, at KISS for you right now? We'll come in at about 6am. The show goes live from 7 and between 6 and 7 we'll probably talk about what the boys have been up to the day before, hear any updates, anything from their lives that they would like to put on the radio slash anything that's happened in their lives that then I turn around and decide must go on the radio uh, because basically that is the the beauty of sort of a 
producer and the production team's role is sort of saying, okay, that's happened in your life. How can we use that and and bring that to the air to make it entertaining? Whether it's Jordan tells a story that's happened at Sports Day, which is kind of what we've been doing this week. And then uh, we've had lots of listeners come on with their Sports Day stories. So how do we make it relevant to the show, the listeners, and incorporate them in something that's happened in the boys' lives? Um, And then 7am we go live, so make sure that all the studio goes live and uh, the boys' microphones are all working and all of that side of it is taken care of. It is Jordan that drives the desk, so... um, in KISS production and a lot of radio stations and shows you're not driving the desk, the presenters are doing that, but, you know, sometimes you might be involved in some of the technicals. And then when we map out the show as well, sort of in the morning, but also as we go and sort of react to listeners' reactions to things that we're doing. We have a few sort of set features that we do every day. So when it's not sort of topical bits, we have like the quiz that gets quicker. So every single morning we have someone come on and play the quiz. That might be a celebrity guest or that might be a listener. It kind of varies every day. And then we also have other funny features like Perry's Fun News, which is something that Perry always brings to the show and basically says three funny news articles that he's read that are just a bit out there let's say that. Um, But I think at the end of the day, um, whenever we're deciding what to do in each link and we're talking it through, we're always thinking, what's the most entertaining for the listener? How can we incorporate them? I think what's so good about Jordan and Perry is they're these like amazing celebrities and, and everyone knows who they are, but they're also two blokes in their late 20s who are just absolute best friends. And I think as a producer, that's what I'm always trying to work out how we can translate that on the radio as much as possible because it is their USP it's the thing that it's every producer's dream when you have like a double act like that you always want that rapport and that relationship and that just genuine friendship to come across on air and I think we've got that so perfectly with those two that I'm always thinking right how can we really utilize that how can we get that across on the radio Um, Also, we have other things like our mix block at nine o'clock. We are obviously a music station, so we're delivering proper mixes that kind of get everyone going at nine o'clock in the morning. And then it's sort of mapping out what the rest of the show looks like after we've executed a few of those regular features that are early doors in the show. So the nine and ten hours, it's, you know, anything topical that's come up, anything to promote for the rest of the station. Obviously, we're a commercial station, so we might have a few like commercial briefs to deliver as well, which is something that I've really got my head around the last couple of years being at KISS and having a predominantly BBC background. That's been kind of new to me. And then also it's kind of as a producer forward planning what you do for the rest of the week, the rest of the shows. Are there any interviews coming up? Do you need to do some interview prep? Are there any interviews that need editing to put out on the show as well? Uh, We also work really closely with our digital team in terms of like what we're putting out social content wise. So we have a lot of guests that will, um, well... I say we, the the digital team will edit and churn out on our socials, but then also are there just relatable, lovely clips from the boys during the show that we want to also put out on socials. Because I think obviously in the current climate, what you put out on social is just as important as what you're putting out every day on the radio. And they're kind of two different audiences that we have to serve. And I think as a producer as well, you're really managing your team. You're having that communication and dialogue with your presenters, but also 
Um, I have a co-producer, Rob, and we work very, very well together. So we're always communicating messages, divvying up roles and things that we're doing. And then we've also got like an AP on our team that we sort of manage and again, sort of divvy up roles with and sort of figure out what we're going to do and who's going to do what when the show's over. So we've got sort of showtime in the morning, show planning, and then it's getting ahead for the rest of the week, rest of the month and various campaigns that were going on that you have to slot in between all of the busyness of the shows. <laughs> so hopefully that's a bit of a, an overview of, of what a day looks like. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Reproducer. You've mentioned some brilliant talent that you've worked with at Presenting Talent, both at Radio 1 and at KISS. And, you know, really established radio names and uh, people who, as you say, aren't radio first. What are, in your opinion, what are the do's and don'ts of talent management? Oh, I just think it's really important to listen. I think it's really important to listen to your team, whether that's your presenter, your team assistant, your big, big boss you're reporting up to. I think and I think communication is absolutely key. Uh, when you're doing anything, but especially managing talent and difficult situations. And I think you need to hear someone out. You need to make sure you're listening. You need to make sure someone feels like they're being heard. I also think communication is just absolutely key when you're managing talent, whether that's a presenter, a guest coming into the studio. I always think just completely fully briefing people so they have, like I was saying earlier, all those tools to be able to do what they need to do it's just paramount. I think that lack of communication is a big no-no. Because <laughs> um, I, I always just think that the more comfortable and the more fun someone's having in the studio as well, that's going to come across on air. And what we're doing is essentially entertaining people. And I think a really good producer once said to me at the BBC, all our jobs are essentially getting the best out of people. And I think that's really key Shout out Jenny Keogh. She basically said, you know, my job as a producer is to get the best out of my presenters. My presenters' jobs are to get the best out of a caller when they're talking to them. The team assistant or the assistant producers is, is working to get the best out of a caller that they're briefing. And I just always thought, yes, if we're all working to that level to get the best out of whoever it is we're dealing with, whichever talent that is, then you've done your job. I also just think... You really want to create a really safe, comfortable, relaxed environment so that if there is ever an issue, if there is anything anyone wants to talk to you about, they feel like they can. 
I think, you know, we all have fun and games, but if there's anything someone's like, oh, I don't want to ask that question, I always just want like a presenter to feel like they can tell me that. And then we have a conversation about why that might be or, you know, I understand exactly what they want to get out of the interview and exactly what, what I want to get out of it so that we all have shared goals and aims for everything that we're doing. You're off to TBI Media. Tell me about the what you're going to be working on in that that role. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to be an executive producer at TBI, and it feels it feels like the right time to be taking on this role. Um, after all my years producing, it feels like um, the perfect step up at the perfect time. I've got my BBC experience. I've got my commercial experience. Now it's time to go and, and be an exec with all of that experience behind me. And the skills that I've learned and developed from being at KISS have obviously helped me to get this role because it's a new skill set. <laughs> um, but it also just feels quite nice because I feel like I've really loved working in youth radio and youth radio was where I really had passions and I saw myself working for a really long time and then I sort of didn't know what might be next because as a, like a child thinking, yeah, I want to work at Radio 1 or I want to work at KISS. I didn't really think beyond 30. Um, and life life doesn't happen beyond 30 when you're 10. So true. <laughs> um, and then uh, I thought it's, it's, yeah, it's time to go and work somewhere completely different. And I've never worked at an indie. I worked in the BBC when a lot of the shows were going up for tender and, and competition and that was quite a new thing um, for the BBC audio department during my time there. So that was very much such a, an appeal to me to go and do something that I hadn't done before. Uh, I'd always sort of known these indies as coming in and pitching for shows that I might have been producing or they I might be handing over in Radio 1 to an indie but I didn't really know much about them and then I met my new boss Jeff a few years ago when I was working doing some bits for the Radio Academy and I was so interested in in TBI and the indie world being someone that was always sort of the other side of it and I'd always sort of kept an eye on what they were doing and was really interested and fascinated by all of the range of shows they were making and podcasts they were doing and events they were putting on and having gone from not really knowing what's next because youth radio was always for me I felt oh, this feels right for me now and it feels like the right position but also the right place. And they do a lot of work, TBI, with BBC stations that I haven't perhaps worked at before. So it also felt like it would be very new, even though I'd be making BBC programmes potentially on behalf of an indie, I would be doing BBC programmes that I never really did when I worked in the BBC. So meeting up with, with Jeff and, and hearing that they do a lot of Radio 2 things was appealing because that, to me, felt, oh, that could be next. And that felt good and natural and like it worked. And weirdly, it does feel like Radio 2 is next because it's all the people that I listened to when I was loving radio and all the people I worked with when I was at Radio 1. So it does feel like a natural sort of progression. So yeah, hopefully I'll be working on some Radio 2 shows. I'll be working on Claudia Winkleman's show on a Saturday, which again, like very exciting, very different and a show that I personally love listening to as well. It's kind of got me into Radio 2, <laughs> that show I would say. <laughs> um, and also be doing some stuff um, in the podcast world 
doing some stuff for Bauer as well, which is exciting. Um, doing maybe some things for some Bauer radio stations that I don't currently work at, as I'm obviously at Kiss now, but hopefully doing some things with Absolute and Magic and Absolute being one of those radio stations that really got me into radio when I was a kid, um, just because I loved guitar music and indie music and just that really excites me. And I think as well, when you work on a daily show, every single person that I've worked with over the years and spoken to about that daily show sort of, I'm going to say grind, that makes it sound negative. It's not negative at all because that's what's so exhilarating about a daily show is that it is daily and you get to build up narratives and work on something you've done the day before or bring something completely new or come in some mornings with nothing in the planner and even though it sounds terrifying it's also quite exhilarating and there's nothing better than that daily show but I think you get to a point where you kind of want to go and and not have a daily show and you want to be able to progress a bit and become an executive producer which I'm going to do and work on forward planning and work on podcasts and work on new ideas. TBI is such a great indie as well. So for all the production companies to go to, as you say, Grace, like they do, like the events and the TV productions that they do and all the radio and audio. And they're a lovely team. So I think you'll have a really nice time. I think you will. Yeah, no, it's great. And congratulations on that gig. It's it's really going to be fantastic. I'd be interested to know, because listening to you, it feels like you've kind of, you know, you've, you've, it's almost, I don't, I'm sure you didn't get an Excel sheet and plot out your career. It does, you know, you've got a bad, in a very planned way almost. And you, you know, I'm going to do this, I want to do this. And you've achieved all those goals, which is absolutely amazing. Is there any advice you could give to your younger self, do you think, if you sat down with your 10 year old self now and went, just remember, don't do this or do do this? Is there one thing that you think that would have helped you? I think my advice to my 10 year old self would just be to remember to enjoy it all the time. I think that you know radio media it can be quite a hard industry it can be and it's very hard to get into and you know the perseverance and the experience the work experience you have to keep doing is one thing and that can be really hard and I think that I think at the end of the day you've just got to remember that you'll get there and what you're doing is really fun and you need to enjoy it it's just I just think it's the best job in the world and I think it's sometimes easy to get bogged down with some of the negative parts of such a tricky industry to work in. And it's the same for every industry, really, that you're in. But I just think that I just tell myself to just make sure I enjoy every single moment of it. Because as well, you never know when things are going to change, when shows change, when your role will change, when positions will change. So you've just got to make the most of every second, I'd say. Good advice. Thank you. One thing that Mark and I really like to ask our guests is about kind of the next generation of radio production talent and the future of radio, because obviously, uh, I mean, you've mentioned podcasts, you've mentioned the importance of social media and having a really good digital team and that being just as important as the output on, on air. So firstly, how do you think radio will adapt in the future? And secondly, what do we need to do to nurture the next generation of producers i think that there's always going to be a need for radio i think there's lots of conversations that you have in this industry always radio dying or what does it look like i think that you know spotify apple music streaming services they're great but they don't have that personal connection and that personal voice and i just think that I mean, that's why I got into radio. That's how I started this podcast, by saying that that was what really drew me to it. And I think that, that is, there's still such a need for that. And there's, there's still such a 
high percentage of our population that are very lonely and that radio offers such an outlet for them and a voice and a friend. So I always think there will be a need for it, but I do think it's evolving. I think there's a lot of visual (laughs) that goes with radio now, which feels almost wrong (laughs) to a, like a, you know, a classic radio fan. Um, because no, it's, it's the voice, it's the radio. It's like that voice talking to you is, it's kind of nice to not know who's talking to you, like what they look like. And I think everyone conjures up their own idea of what that person looks like. That voice is talking to them. They all have an idea of what color hair they might have in their head or, you know, what age race they put that in their minds just subconsciously. (laughs) So I think that it's quite strange to think that that's where we're moving. But I also think in this sort of audio sphere, we also know that podcasts are massive. They already are. But I'd say moving forward for radio and podcasts, it's visual now. I think, you know, people love to be able to watch and visualise a podcast. And I don't think we can escape that. I think most podcasts now are becoming visual and that is going to be the norm for podcasts especially. And I think that radio will probably... probably follow quite quickly in its footsteps for example I like talk radio is all visualized and that's that's obviously relating probably more to that speech based um radio as opposed to say kiss where we you know we're a pop station and play a lot of music but we're already going that way with one of the major commercial <laughs> uh, speech stations there is already so yeah I could say it it's definitely that and I'd say from producers for nurturing new producers and talent I think I think it's I think it's been hard with the pandemic definitely and I'm definitely grateful that I perhaps didn't start my journey at that time but I think there's organizations and places out there that really support for example people like the Radio Academy helped a lot of people during the pandemic sort of keeping that freelance world and and keeping able to work and build upon their skills in a time when you know you couldn't really go in and receive training and things so I think that there are places out there to support. I also think that like community stations are really have really grown again as well. Um, I know that like here at Kiss, we've looked and 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 developed and I was going to say stolen a lot of talent from <laughs> community stations, <laughs> um, shared a lot of talent from community stations as well. Um, and I just think they're an absolutely like brilliant place um, if you're looking for experience and you're looking to sort of nurture your skills I've did so much community radio when I was starting out and yeah I'd say that would be brilliant for sort of new producers coming through as well You're about to go to a new job it might be your dream job it might not Um, (laughs) but do you have in your mind a kind of goal of a dream show that you want to work on, dream talent to work with, a dream network to work at, is there a sort of ultimate destination or are you happy to kind of just see where the journey takes you I think I'm genuinely happy to see where the journey takes me because I think in this next stage of my career I'm going to be working on an array of different shows for a a whole bunch of different outlets and stations and I'm really excited by that I think sometimes it's quite easy to sort of narrow your path to be like no this is what I want to do this is this is this is the the dream whereas sometimes you can stumble into things and they can be like the most enjoyable things that you've ever done quite open-minded about this next stage and excited to one day be making a show for radio 4 that I never thought I'd be making or be doing more speech radio which I haven't done for a lot of years and actually might really enjoy that and that take me down a different avenue and I think that 
I'm really excited to the opportunities and the variety that this next role will give me and who knows what the next role after that will be once I've sort of done a whole load of stuff but I am I am quite looking forward to being an executive in this next new role I think that um having sort of that decision making sort of at a higher level is maybe something I'll be looking at in the future not really sure where or when that will be and happen but um potentially go more down that route but I'm generally quite open to it. Uh, you're not allowed to use uh, for this uh, your uh, Radio 1 first contract, all right? So you can't use that. But we'd like an OMG moment from your career of some sort. So something that's made you go, oh, what would, they, what would you choose? I think it would have to be when I was working on Greg James's show on Radio 1. I still to this day love telling this story and still to this day can't really believe how this happened. But it's one of those where you just think, wow, what we do is literally the best job in the world. So we had David Attenborough, sorry, we had Sir David Attenborough coming in. Uh, he was promoting one of his wildlife programmes and he obviously had been doing quite a lot of promo for it. Um, but we were really excited to have him in. And when I went out to brief him, um, we came up with this whole big idea of what we could do with him. It had been pre-approved, all of that kind of thing. As you do with guests, you have to send over all your ideas before. But obviously, I just wanted to run it through with him on the day, check that he was all still okay to do it. And basically, at the same time as David Attenborough coming in and his series being huge on BBC One, Adele had also come back with her new single, Hello. And she'd done this amazing video and everyone was going wild for it. And it was one of those opportunities where, as a producer, you try and take a viral moment and make it relevant to like your show and your presenters and your guests and try and make another viral moment with it, which is like the biggest challenge and kind of impossible. But you're always you're always striving for it. And um, Greg had written this amazing script that David Attenborough would narrate over the top of Adele's new music video, Hello. And he'd spent ages on it. He'd been like really putting a lot of time into this. And me and the producer were, you know, going over it loads. And we were really excited about what we could potentially create, like a real moment. Um, David Attenborough comes in and I go to brief him and I go to give him this script, which he knew he was reading, but just wanted him to be able to read over it, prepare, plan, look over it. And he just said, I'm so sorry, dear, but I'm so... I'm, I could just tell he was just knackered from doing quite a lot of promo. He was like, I've just been in at Radio 2. Would you mind if I left it? And it's Sir David Attenborough, so I'm like, of course it's fine. <laughs> um, you know, it's again going back to that talent management. You don't ever want to push anything with a guest. Like, yes, it had been approved, but obviously things change in the moment and we're all people and we never want to force anyone to do anything they don't want to do so he changed his mind so I was of course like don't worry about it you'll come on the show you'll do a brilliant interview and that would be fantastic and no one will know that we were planning this in the background that's the best bit of advice sometimes when plans fall through as a producer don't worry if the listeners didn't know it, it's fine you know it's just you know but they don't he comes on, he does this perfect interview. We were all like, you know, starstruck by Sir David Attenborough being in our studio. And then he said at the end, oh, and you've got something there for me to read, haven't you? And he was gesturing at the script that Greg had written. And all of us in the studio were like, oh my gosh, he's going to do it. <laughs> Excellent. And um, 
because he wasn't at first. He he hadn't prepared at all. But of course, he said David Attenborough, so it's fine. He doesn't need to prepare. And he <laughs> read this script word for word so perfectly. It was just perfect. And the video was amazing with him narrating. And I still hear my friends talk about that video today. And I'm like, gosh, I was a part of making that viral moment. And also that viral moment almost didn't happen. And I think that's why it's such an oh my God moment because we went through all the emotions with this. <laughs> we, we can't better that one. That's fantastic. It was a brilliant interview with Grace, but also a brilliant uh, story about David Attenborough there. And do you know, the one thing it made me think, Jenny, is that when uh, Scala Radio launched way back in 2019, he was one of the voices that I approached to try and do some of the, the big launch intro voice. Oh, and um, I, I, I clearly should have persevered because he said no, <laughs> and I, I took his first no as a, as a, uh, as an answer. But yeah, what a great, uh, what a great story, and how great to hear Grace's enthusiasm and love for yes. radio. It was so, so infectious, wasn't it? Definitely, definitely, and just kind of that hard work paying off, really. But yeah, I think the David Attenborough story is that because you often hear about celebs who turn out to be arseholes. Yes, a lot. <laughs> but when celebs turn out to be amazing, it's really nice. And um, it reminded me, actually, and forgive the uh, terrible name drop, okay. um, but when, when I worked at Classic FM um, and the Star Wars The Force Awakens episode uh, came out and we went to the junket at the hotel, which, you know, if you've seen Notting Hill, it's basically you wait around in a posh hotel and you're allocated, like, different members of the cast or crew you had to put your bids in beforehand so I put in a couple of bids for like John Boyega and JJ Abrams and Harrison Ford and was basically told you're not going to get Harrison Ford so I was like okay fair enough well you know we've got other bids it will be a nice program and then we arrive and we sort of you have to check in and then we're told that first up we were speaking to Harrison Ford and he was just amazing like oh, he, wow. gave, he gave such great interview he talked a lot about like John Williams soundtracking you know, his life, essentially his career, what with having done Indiana Jones films and Star Wars films. And yeah, he was absolutely amazing and almost so amazing that you forgot to be starstruck. So um, yes, <laughs> that's another, when celebrities turn out to be brilliant. That's a whole new podcast series. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Grace has now joined a whole host of other great radio producers who we've spoken to in this series. And as our latest drop is the first one since the ARIA Awards 2023, the Audio Radio Industry Awards, you might like to hear from some of the gold ARIA recipients who are still celebrating their wins at this year's award ceremony. Uh, people like Adele Cross, the producer of the One Extra Breakfast Show with Nadia J, the winner of the Best Breakfast Show category, that's a hot category, or Karen Pearson, uh, the founder of Folded Wing Production Company, the team behind For the Love of Hip Hop with Ramesh Ranganathan, the winner of Best Specialist Music Show. Uh, for these and many others, just visit the show page on whichever podcast platform you like and then follow or subscribe so you get the new ones when we drop them. Reproducer. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.